I want to talk about uh, purpose a little bit. I've been thinking about purpose a lot for the last few weeks, and and uh, especially you know around graduation, everybody talks about what's your purpose. And I mean, if if you have pastor churches, you hear I've probably had a thousand people say, "I just need to find my purpose in life." It, honestly, you hear it to the point where you're like, "Oh God, not again." I'm being serious. I, I mean, I, y'all know me. I'm 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 a little I'm a little uh, I'm a little different, but I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes you're like, "Oh, good Lord." Not another purpose conversation. But you know, we have purpose in God. And we really have isolated purpose in God. And I want to show it to you this morning. In Philippians 3, verse 10. I'm just going to read a little bit of this and I'm going to skip down. The Apostle Paul says, It's my determined purpose that I may know him. And that is the purpose of every person, every being who broom is to know God. That's it. That's it. it it's, not, it's not, oh, well, each person has these individual purposes. No, you're going to have different roles. See, you've got to understand the difference between a purpose and a role. You're going to fill different roles throughout all of your life, whether you are 7 or 70. Right now, you may be 80 years old, but you still have not fulfilled all the roles that you're going to play in the kingdom of God. But if you get stuck looking for a purpose, what you end up doing is missing a lot of the opportunities. A lot of the opportunities that God places in our life, because I'm so busy looking for that one thing of purpose, but what you really got to understand is your purpose, my purpose, is to know Him. To know God. And Paul says to become increasingly and progressively more, to know him more, more progressively in a more intimate way. My purpose is to every day of my life know God better than I knew him the day before. And when you do that, as you, as you know God, then you know how to follow God. And as you follow God, if your purpose is to follow God, then he directs steps to where you belong. See, some, what people are really asking is not what's my purpose. What they're asking is, where do I belong? The question of the world today, every person that you meet, every person that you talk to, it's where do I belong? Where do I fit? Reason for being. Nobody wants to live and die and accomplish nothing or affect, any, or affect no one. Every person sitting in this room, you want to leave a mark that can't be erased. You want to leave a mark that matters. You want it to matter that you drew breath on this planet. And see, that is what God's design for each one of us is, is that we affect and impact people and that we leave a mark. But you do that by realizing you are fulfilling the role that you are in right now, but your purpose is to know God, and through knowing God, know how to fulfill that role. How many, how many parents of young children do I have in this room? Raise your hand. Keep them up just a second. Your purpose right now is, is to know God. Your role right now is to parent young children. You can put them down. It's to parent young children. It's tough. Sometimes you look at it and you say, nobody prepared me for this. Yeah, if you got, if you got little boys, you said, no, that was not in the manual. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, if you, got, if you got little boys, you're like, that was not a part of the deal. Listen, in the pictures you see online and in the, in the, in the movies you see, that ain't part of the deal. 
Listen, I feel, listen, I feel so sorry for your daughter. Because if she is carting teenage boys around, my God, you must have to Febreze your car on a, reg, on a regular basis. But it is, a, it is a place that you find yourself, but it is not your purpose. It is your role. You say, why does that matter? Because purpose is still to know more about God so that you can fulfill the role of having older children. So that you can still continue to raise those older children. So you can continue to pour into those older children. If you don't have, if you've already passed that and you got grandkids, your role, grandparents. Grandparents. My mom and daddy turned into people I did not even know. But you know what, though? That was, that, that was not their purpose. That was their role. That was their role. But the Apostle Paul, he gives a few things in 11 through 14 on how do you do that? How do you pursue God? How does your purpose of pursuing God work? How can you do that? How many of you have ever felt like you were trying to pursue God, but you couldn't catch him? I mean, listen, I'm just going to get where we live. Everybody, oh, no, not me. Not me. I got angel wings about to sprout out of my back. Those aren't shoulder blades. I'm perfect. But you know who was in the way? Not God. Me. I have been the architect of my own demise so many times in my life. I have messed up things in my life more times than I can count. When I was younger, I had made such a mess in my life, I didn't ever think that I would ever be able to be used by God ever in my life. Sometimes I even tried to do it. Tried to disqualify myself. But these verses, these are probably some of my favorite verses in the Bible. They've meant more to me than I'll even be able to, to, to illustrate to you. Verse 11 says, That if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and resur moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Verse 12, though, it says, Not that I have attained this. It said to know God. He said, Not that I have now attained this idea or have already been made perfect. That verse to me has always been comforting and bothersome. Comforting in the fact was if the Apostle Paul hadn't made it yet, then there's still hope for me. Bothersome in the fact that if the Apostle... Oh, I guess I'm the only one. It's always been one of those things where it's, it's like the Apostle Paul says, you know what? I wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Have a better revelation of God than any man who ever walked the earth except Jesus himself. And his verses are not that I've attained yet. But I'll beat myself up thinking I'm supposed to. I won't cut myself any slack thinking I'm supposed to already been there. I'm supposed to got that. Apostle Paul said, I ain't a Rick. The Apostle Paul says, I've done all this except for three, three, three years at the feet of Jesus in the Arabian desert. He said, I ain't got it yet. I hadn't figured it out yet. He said, not that I have now attained this idea I've already made perfect, but I press on. Y'all may just have to stay with me through here. I probably won't cry a lot, but I may get a little emotional with these verses because you got to understand what they've meant to me in my life. 
Because I was a pretty good perennial screw-up in my life. Ain't none of those in here, are there? No screw-ups in here. I'm not preaching any screw-ups, am I? One or two, maybe. But I love this because he says, But I press on to lay hold of or to grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made me his own. King James says, But I press on that I might apprehend that which I was apprehended for. He says, I hadn't figured it out yet, but I'm going to keep pushing and keep pressing on because I want to just apprehended me for. See, I know at one point in my life, Jesus reached down in the mire and the muck and the mess that I was in, and he picked me up and he put my feet on solid ground. And my determined purpose is that I will press on to find out why and for what reason he apprehended me. He pulled me out of my mess, and I say, you know what my purpose is? I'm going to keep pressing. Even when I mess up, I'm going to get up. I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to shake the cobwebs out. And I'm going to press on to apprehend that which I was apprehended for. You know, every person in this room, God picked you out for a reason. See, I never could figure out why would God choose me for anything. I mean, when you live between your elbows and you know you. Say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I wasn't. Maybe you are. Maybe you were. I wasn't. But I got news for you. You weren't either. All born of sinful race. Pick me up. Bobby, he apprehended you. One died a few years ago. He just grabbed a hold of you. And he wouldn't turn loose of you. And there wasn't, there wasn't no way he turned loose of you. But he said, my purpose, I want to know, I want to, to apprehend. I want to grab a hold of why I was grabbed a hold of. I can keep moving. I told Jen I'd hurry. Pat, Pat Burrell put me on a time clock. Verse 13, once again, the Apostle Paul. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. He said, I wrote, I wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but I hadn't yet figured out why God, God captured me. He said, I'm still looking. Man, come on. He said, I'm still pressing and searching for the reason that God, God captured me on the road to Damascus. I still hadn't figured out why the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God knocked me off my animal. I went blind for three days. I still haven't apprehended that. He had the largest mish date. The church at Ephesus that he established was it was believed to have had over 150,000 members in a town of 250,000 people. And he said, I hadn't figured it out yet. But one thing I do, this is it right here. This is it right here, church. This is it. And every day, this is it in my life. And every day, this should be it in your life. He said, but this one thing I do, it is my one aspiration. Forgetting what lies behind. 
and straining forward to what lies ahead. Apostle Paul said, that, you know, I've always, I've always looked at his life in amazement because here's a man who was at the, the, the martyrdom of the first, the first martyr, the first Christian that was martyred, Stephen. Paul held the coats. He was persecuting Christians. There's places in the Scripture where it says he was out of breath from pursuing and screaming and chasing after Christians to have them thrown in jail and executed. The Apostle Paul participated in the execution of Christians, but yet God picked him out to be the 12th Apostle. And I always wondered, how do you, how do, you do this? How do you, have, how do you have places in the Scripture where he says, I'm the chiefest among sinners, but then you flip right to the next place? Because I'm going to tell you something, man. My mind can get the best of me. My failures can get the best of me, church. And so you have the Apostle Paul. He says, listen, man, I was the biggest screw-up in the world, but yet I've wronged no one. I mean, you, you think about the weight of guilt that man should have carried. I mean, let's put that in perspective. The God that he's now going around preaching about in his former life, he was taking people who, who confess their faith in God and having them murdered. And I've always wondered and thought about that. How do you, how do, you do that? How do you walk that out after you've lived that, that, that kind of life? And it's right there in that verse. It says, this is what I do. I forget what lies behind. And I press forward to what's in front of me. See, if you're going to walk with God, if you're going to walk the Christian walk, if you're going to walk a Christian faith, you've got to be able to say, I'm forgetting what lies behind, but I'm going to press forward to what's in front of me. You've got to get up and say, you know what, I failed yesterday. I messed up yesterday, but I'm going to put yesterday behind me. The Bible actually doesn't call it in the rearview mirror. In, in 1 Corinthians, it says, any person who's, any man being Christ, he's a what? Brand new creation. Behold, all things have passed away or died, and all things have become new. Old things have died. See, stuff like this, what Paul was doing every day when he said, I'm, I'm forgetting what's behind me, Paul realized that he buried Saul. He buried Saul. And see, I'm of the opinion that Paul had to bury Saul regularly. Well, he said, I have to crucify the flesh daily. Every day I have to tell me that I'm not that old man. That old man is dead. I've been resurrected to new life. The man I used to be is not the man that I am today. He said, I'm going to put old things behind me, but I'm going to press forward to new things. I press forward. He said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling me upward. He said, listen, I only have one purpose in life, and that's that I know God. And the only way that I can know God is i got to forget who I was. See, I'm going to tell you something. You cannot drag the corpse of your old life. You cannot drag the corpse of your old life and do it. It is impossible. You will submit to one or the other. You cannot do it. You cannot continue to drag every failure and every mistake if you're going to walk into the fullness of who God has called you to be. Because God doesn't speak to the old man. 
God does not speak to the old man. God only speaks to the new man. God doesn't speak to the past. God only speaks to where you are and where he's carrying you. You cannot live in that past and carry out the plans of God for your life. Because, see, God has no plans for Pastor Jason that started yesterday. Every plan he's laid out for his life. If you're a graduate, if you're starting your adult life, every plan God has for your life is in your future. It's not in your past. See, it's great. It's fine to take a look back and say, God brought me from here. But don't keep looking that way where he brought you from. At some point, you got to turn around and look where he's carrying you to. See, I'm not sad one bit about anybody who is graduating. It doesn't make me sad when kids get older because I know that the plans. They're future plans. But you can't stay looking that way. From back there facing the wall. I played a lot of ball when I was growing up. I've been hit in the back of the head with a ball. I can catch a ball anywhere you throw it to me, but I at least got to be able to see it. So you can't catch what God's throwing to you if you got your back turned the other direction. If you're constantly doing this, the other time, the other thing that happens when you're like this, you will fall in every hole in front of you. You will trip over every obstacle in front of you. You will be completely unaware to the attack of the enemy that is in front of you because you are too busy looking. And why? What are you going to do? Go back and fix it? You hop in that time traveling machine you've been hiding in the garage? Run back there and try to do the wrongs of life? Try to put the toothpaste back in the tube? I mean, here's the deal. You can either go ahead and continue to try to do that and fail miserably and then keep tripping over the stuff while you're looking backwards, or you could say, you know what? That's the past. That's behind me. On Wednesday nights, we have the garrison, man. If you're a man in this church and you're not coming to the garrison meeting, you are missing an amazing thing. I'm not talking about a good thing. I'm talking about an amazing thing. If you don't know what we're about, come up here after church, read the garrison oath. You'll see the guys have signed it. We talk about this all the time. This guy said, well, listen, I hadn't always been the man that I was supposed to be for my kids. You said, okay, start now. Okay, start now. Start now. I hadn't always been the husband I was supposed to be to my wife. I haven't always honored her the way that I was supposed to honor her. I haven't always been the head of my house. I said, okay, start now. I haven't always treated my kids the way I was supposed to treat them. Okay, start now. Start now. You build relationships from where you are. You build things from where you are because that's where God's walking. See, God's not walking with you backwards. I told you this before, but there is no Hebrew word at all, at all for history. There is no Hebrew word for history because God doesn't operate in history. Two. It's the enemy that's trying to turn your attention to your failures. And I'll share this with you and I'll be done. Yeah, we're good. 
I remember I was having a pity party one time. I would say I was praying, but I wasn't praying. Y'all know my feelings about that. Praying is not having a pity party. If all you're doing is laying on the floor crying and wallowing around, you're just having a pity party. You're not praying. Praying is agreeing with the will of God. But I was having a pity party. I was just talking to God. Felt like I was anyways. About my failures and how bad I felt about this and about that and about this and all this other junk. And I distinctly remember the Holy Spirit saying, what are you talking about? Yeah, this, when I did this, when I made this mistake, when I made this mistake, the Holy Spirit said, what are you talking about? I said, this, I made this mistake and I did this wrong when I screwed up here. And he said, what are you talking about? And finally, the Spirit spoke to me the verse that says, he takes our sins and he puts them in the sea of forgetfulness. So see, if you're sitting there focused constantly on the mistakes that you've made in life and it's preventing you from moving forward in what God has called you to, God said, what are you talking about? You, you and the devil are the only ones discussing that because God, once they're forgiven, takes them, puts them in the sea of forgetfulness. And my daddy used to say, So God's not in that. God's in this. God's in this. And if the God who saved me the God who sent Jesus to die for me, if they don't remember him, I don't have any business remembering him. I don't have any business remembering him. I used to say this all the time. When the, I love the fact that when Saul got saved, he got a new name. I used to always think we should give Christians new names when they got saved. Amen. So that old person could die. And the new person could live the life they're called to. But God ain't talking to that old man. The law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Some of y'all this morning, you just need to go ahead and make this morning your declaration of freedom. That the law of the spirit of life has made you free. From the law of sin and death. See that scripture's meant so much to me in my life because it means that can't hold me. That me anymore. That can't keep me living as a person I'm no longer. I'm done, young stand. We would love for all of y'all to stay and uh, have lunch with us. They, we've got tables set up in the youth room, so y'all can. We'll have hamburgers and hot dogs and everything in there. They've got all the serving lines set up, so please stay and eat with us and celebrate our graduates. Y'all remember to pray for for Pastor Sean that God will refill his tear ducts. How many of y'all cried with him? Raise your hand. Man, now I got to raise my hand so I don't feel bad. Man, now I feel bad. Y'all all sympathetic criers? Good gracious. That's me. 
That's me. I'm a sympathetic crier. Yeah, I cry all about that all the time. Yeah. No, you know what? Uh, I, I, I didn't cry because it's not my nature, but it warmed my heart so much to watch how passionate Sean is about the kids that God allows him to serve as their pastor. And that's why he does such an amazing job. That's why he does such an amazing job. All right, just lay your hand on your neighbor next to you and pray however God leads you to. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word this morning, God. We thank you that's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. God, we thank you for our graduates, God, Lord, and we just bless them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we just speak blessings over their lives, God, Lord. We know that you are the, the architect of their lives, that you've laid out plans for their life, God, Lord, and that they can walk out those plans with confidence, knowing that you open doors that no one can close, and you close doors that no one can open, God. And, Lord, we just thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. We just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.